It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. Thank you for being here this morning. Man, what a week uh, it's been so far. You know, one thing that I uh, that, that I noticed, and I was just going through some of the uh, the reporters' questions for Corrine Jean-Pierre. You know, the president was out there yesterday talking about airlines and about meal vouchers if your flight's canceled and, and things like this with Buttigieg. And then he was out talking about movie night and... And the reporters were just on her case. Yeah. I mean, they were saying, why is he talking about these things? What about, you know, what about gun violence? And, uh, you know, what about in, you know, what about, uh, inflation? What about what's going on with Title 42 in the border right now? How things are insane. Why is he talking about meal vouchers for canceled flights? <clears throat> you know, I was telling you that, you know, what we saw from Southwest during, um, Christmas time was an uh, an anomaly. Yeah, I was telling you that during the break that they they used that. They didn't mention in the presser yesterday that it was Southwest, but they said in December this happened, and, of course, it was Southwest. That is an anomaly, and it isn't something that happens on a regular basis, and the private sector knows full well. You better make something like that good. When When you have so many people that couldn't get there for Christmas, even if part of that was weather related, mm-hmm. you're going to have to make it good for those individuals. Uh, let me. Do we have any wood? Mm. I need to knock on wood here. I, I don't need to make this statement without simulated knock- wood grain plastic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. What I don't that even is. know what that is. <laughs> oh no! I feel there's some wood in the back of yeah. it. Uh, it's a sound buffer <laughs> hanging in our studio. Something just knocked back. I, I don't need <laughs> I don't, something in the wall. <laughs> It's the red eye ghost. Um, I have been flying for the really probably more like fifteen times a year now, but really uh, in double digits. I've been flying for the last twenty five years. You would I mean, have to be a business year. travel to to a yeah. traveler to to fly more than you. Yeah, you'd have to be a business traveler and. It, I, I would, yeah, I would think there that, are very few commuters yeah. that fly that often. I mean, I, I'm to the second level of premium flyer for yeah, yeah. American right now. Right, I mean, I, right. I got up to that point because um, I flew a lot last year, and I'm flying right. a lot this year. Not the first half of the year, but the second half of the year. <laughs> you may not see me, yeah. uh, but I've uh, just got a lot of places that that, that uh, things I got to do. But um, I thought back to it. The last major problem I had, I believe, was 2005, 2006. Hmm. The majority of flyers really don't run into huge problems. What yeah. happens is you have these things happen, especially for Southwest, and it's much bigger news. But actually, you know, and, and I've been flying, I mean, for the last 25 years consistently, hmm. but I flew in the 70s and mm-hmm. I flew in the 80s and I don't see much of a difference. I know people now uh, before regulation when nobody could afford to fly except the rich elite, airplane flying might have been a little bit different. Yeah. But uh, the 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 fact is yeah, I'm a I'm a premium flyer so I at least get, you know, the nice exit row seat every almost every, almost all the time. Right. 
probably nine or probably 19 out of 20 times I get the exact seat I want, and probably most people don't get that. Mm-hmm. But still, I've been in a normal coach seat before, and it's fine. I've been in the middle seat before. And I have uh, because I do have the ability, because of my premium status, that uh, if I want to catch the flight before, I can do it for free. Well, odds are I'm in a middle seat at that point, but all I care about is time at that point, so I don't mm-hmm. care if it's a middle row coach seat. Mm-hmm. Just get me there because that's what I want to do, but I have found very little problems with the airlines over the last 25 years. Not to say they don't exist, and not that I haven't didn't have a Whopper one time, but it, well, the one time it was the airline's fault because it was actually mechanical. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and that probably I didn't get in for about, ooh, 13 hours later, but I still got in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never had, I've never, in all my airplane flying, and I have to be, for all my airplane flying, for this particular stance of being on American Advantage, I'm almost to a million now, but I'm well over a million in my miles in my flying, which is much more than the average person. And I've had, I've never had to stay at a hotel overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It's never, ever happened to me. So now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen to people. It doesn't happen as frequently as they like to promote as a national concern. Look, uh... Southwest knows, uh, all airlines know, other airlines are learning from what happened with Southwest in December. You don't ever want that happening. No, you on, don't. On the things you can control. Weather-related, everybody gets it. It's frustrating, especially at that time of year, beyond frustrating. But on the, the things that are within your control, they know. You've got to compete heavily. Now, the answer is never. What we need is more government intervention. Because when you when you go out and you create a system that is, okay, now by law or regulation, they're going to have to provide this, 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 this. If you believe... That that is a solution. What you're looking at, as Thomas Sowell, there are no solutions, only a trade-off. And the trade-off will be more expensive flights. Right. Which are much more expensive now than they've been. Yep. And what they'll do, too, is they'll cut the number of flights, which they've been doing. Because if they do that, if they reduce, if they become more efficient and say, all right, it's not efficient to fly from here to here direct anymore. We're much better to do this. And do this leg plus that leg to get people from A to B. If that's a more, in order to remain compliant under the new regulations, that has to be done. They have to change routing. They have to do everything else to make sure. Remember when the um, uh, the, the the regulation came down on, on sitting on the tarmac mm-hmm. uh, for a certain period of time? Look, that's frustrating. I have been there. I mean, when you're out there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and it's like, oh, my gosh. And the AC's not going yet, you know, uh, full blast, and it's in Texas, and it's 105 degrees outside, and you're sitting there. I mean, it's frustrating. I get it. But the, the answer is not more government regulation like we saw yesterday. What we saw yesterday is the addition of the cost of what they're going to have to incur 
if there is something that happens within their control. You know, when you talk about an equipment failure, I want that plane to remain on the ground. It's better that it failed and I don't get on it versus the other way around. And those are the things that you look at, and it's frustrating. They need to do a better job at maintenance. They need to make sure all their planes are running. They need to make sure their fleets are updated. All of that is 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 part of it, and we pay for it. But when government regulation comes in, that cost has to, first of all, they have to become more efficient to remain compliant, and the cost to do that is passed on to you, period. Right. I mean, as you said, there's... There's no solutions. There's only trade-offs, and and uh, I would I would say that this summer probably one of the biggest complaints this year from people, especially in the middle classes, I can't afford to fly this year. Yeah, it's too expensive. It's right. gone up. I mean, the the routes that I'm on probably are up. You know, I know they said the airline flights up seventeen percent. Mine's probably up about twenty percent. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, for, for me, the vast majority of my trips are to see my 97 year old father there. I don't have a, you know, I don't have a family, you know? And yeah. so yeah. there is no choice for me. That's, that's the cost <laughs> to live to death. That's a cut. Visiting my father is the cost of doing business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. like that. I like that. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, it's the cost of doing business of my life. There is no choice there. So whatever the cost is, I'm going to pay for that. Uh, most people don't have that luxury. And and so, uh, not that there aren't problems, and especially when weather, I mean, it's a nightmare when weather hits. Yeah. But that's weather, and it's going to affect things that go in the in the air and on the ground. It's just the reality of it. Yep. Oh, I did spend one night. I would have gotten, probably would have got a hotel, but uh, we actually, uh, I remember I remember the, the flight into Chicago that we got diverted to Madison, Wisconsin of a thunderstorm and mm-hmm. they canceled all the flights everything yeah. Yeah. and i had to take yeah. a bus that left like i don't know at 10 o'clock and got into the university of wisconsin madison at like well, i don't know midnight and then we sat on the steps till like four in the morning of the student union and with two women i'd never met before and i watched their bags and they went down to the bar section and got you know the college student yeah. college section of bars got a couple of hamburgers and brought them back for me and it's like you you become instant friends with people and then at 4 4 a.m the bus picked us up and i got on a flight probably i had to connect somewhere else and my show started at four o'clock in the afternoon on a monday and i got in there like about five to four i got into the studio just before the show started yeah so and i'd been up that whole time so i did stay overnight that was the worst experience that i ever had but yeah. uh which is uh which is going to happen which is going to happen sure but i, I was but, but I, I think what the reporters are saying is there are major problems of immigration and inflation that affect everybody and there are the president's talking about meal vouchers for they look at that and they go you're being you're being penny wise and dollar foolish when you look at the entirety of of what the problems are right now in this country and the problems we're facing this week. Yeah. If if you had come out, let's say mid-January, a few weeks after the Southwest thing happened, I could see the political play, right? Because it's still in the top of minds of people that were affected and everybody else that even if you weren't affected, you saw the stories. I At least I would understand the political play. 
but they're not offering the the any answers on every other important front. This is not a priority for most people, and that's because most people don't fly. Yeah. And and I think that was the thing. There, I got the sense watching Biden yesterday, we just need a day off. Yeah. Everything is pounding on us. Just take a day off. But the press, they were all over this saying, why aren't you focusing on the major issues that exist out there? And the left was on him about guns. Yeah. You know, why aren't you out there screaming about the violence that's happening around the country? Airplane ticket, meal vouchers, movie night? Yeah. You know, what's what's going on? And, and I just... And I guess that's all the bigger picture of the bad polling numbers coming in. You know the interesting thing? Mm. Every time the president is out there or the vice president, it hurts them. Yet, when the polling goes down, they feel they have to be out there more. Yeah. I find that interesting. No, they don't want to see you go in the basement. That's your biggest successes have been when you're in the basement just disappear for a week. Well, but then the media no. now, if you disappear for a week, the media was like, where's Joe Biden? Where's Joe well, Biden? So right now he can't win. Well, that's that's it. it, it but I thought to myself yesterday was busy work. Yeah. Oh, no, the that's president is very busy. He's very active. He's not addressing anything important in terms of priorities. Oh, but he's busy. You know what that reminds me of? You know, oh, your grandfather is very busy. This morning he did a crossword puzzle. He finished his oatmeal. He's very busy. That that's what it, that's what it reminds me of. You're doing busy. You're the president. If the vice president had come out in this moment in time, airplanes fly into the sky and we all like airplanes that fly into the sky because the sky is where airplanes should fly and so we'd like you to have a better experience when you fly on an airplane in the sky because the sky is where an airplane flies when i fly i feel like i'm really flying that's because you are if she would have done it, we would have had much more entertaining it would have been audio. So much more entertaining. That's our whole point of this segment. We were, we weren't entertained yesterday. We just weren't entertained at all. Eight six six ninety red eye. USDA's most recent forecast for this fiscal year's ag exports calls for $184.5 billion worth of export sales. That would be down 6% from the year before. So where are we at the halfway point of this fiscal year? Agricultural exports are $100.2 billion, down 1%. But USDA economist Bart Kenner says again that was for the first six months of the trading year, October through March. And as the year has progressed, export numbers have regressed. Prime reason? The strong U.S. dollar. And so as the value of the dollar strengthens... Our products are not going to be as price competitive with other countries producing similar products. Looking at corn, for example, U.S. exports of corn at the halfway point of the year running 31% below the same time a year ago. At just under $6.5 billion, U.S. cotton exports down about 15%. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. 
Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, this is really interesting. You know, you and I talking about yesterday uh, about is Biden trying to set up a firewall between him and his son. Yeah, right. You know, I didn't know anything about this. Wow, really? He did this? I, I, I didn't know. Now, it's tough because we know that he's already lied, uh, and the evidence exists that he lied, both on uh, voicemail and emails. They didn't know about his son's businesses, so that's going to hurt him to begin with. But we're still wondering whether that's the panic mode is to set up a firewall. Yeah. This is from The Guardian UK. Listen how they wrote this. You ready for this? this right. is, okay, here we go. The White House is bracing for political fallout from a looming decision by federal prosecutors over whether to charge Joe Biden's son, Hunter, with tax crimes and lying about his drug use when he bought a handgun. In a signal that the investigation is near completion, Hunter's lawyers last month held a meeting with David Weiss, the top federal prosecutor in Delaware. A separate report by CNN noted that Hunter's longtime lawyer, Chris Clark, was among those entering the department's headquarters. Republicans would uh, would be sure to seize on a high-profile criminal case against Hunter in an effort to inflict political damage on the U.S. president, who last week announced his bid for re-election in 2024. Attacks on Hunter and his alleged laptop in the 2020 campaign fizzled, but the 53-year-old 
is taking an increasingly public role in his father's side, appearing at a state dinner honoring the French president uh, at the Kennedy Center Honors and on a recent trip to the Republic of Ireland. Hunter's taxes and foreign business dealings have been under investigation by a federal grand jury in Delaware since at least 2018. His membership on the board of a Ukrainian energy company and his efforts to strike deals in China have raised questions by Republicans about whether Hunter traded on his father's public service. You notice how everything is about Hunter as if Joe Biden was not involved yeah. in any of right. it. Mm-hmm. That Hunter himself, and I just I started thinking when I read this, I go, wow. I mean, this is the culture. Are the talking points already out there? Hunter was doing this. Joe didn't know anything about it. Hunter was trading on his father's name. Well, for what? Well, just his father's name. We're not going to complete the sentence yeah, yeah, past that. Yeah, just his right. father's name. Mm-hmm. He was trading on his uh, father's public service. What does that mean? Was his father involved in the trading? But I just love how it's written as if everything is exclusively Hunter. Yeah. And when they talk about the 2020, uh, uh, the alleged laptop and the 2020 campaign fizzled out, they don't explain why it fizzled out. Yeah, it's. I, I can't wait for the day that Kareem Jean-Pierre walks out and says, the president is stunned at his son's behavior. He just can't believe he did that. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And I'm Gary McNamara. Over there is Eric Harley. And uh, this headline mm-hmm. just came out a little while ago on Fox News. But I mean, we, we've been anticipating this, uh, uh, of this, as we call it, the ultimate in the liberal circular firing squad. Yeah. And there's yeah. the headline. Gavin Newsom silent as reparations panel recommends paying massive amount to each black resident of California. Yeah. Well, it's the it's the panel that that he made. It says Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom is in a political no-win situation when it comes to a proposal by his own reparations task force, his own. He set it up to pay 1.2 million in taxpayer money to every qualifying black resident as a mean to atone for slavery and discrimination. Now, before we go any further here, they can't do this. They can't afford to do this. But we do, we do, uh, we do approve of Gavin Newsom uh, starting this reparations task force because Gavin Newsom, by doing so, admits the Democrats' long-term identity politics and racism in this country that includes right up to this current point of their identity politics. And it's finally, I believe, Gavin Newsom's own guilt and the Democrats' own guilt of their racist mindset that has led them to this point. So for the acknowledgement of their own racism, I do appreciate these Democrats acknowledging their racism to the American public. These California Democrats. Agreed. Right. Look, I, you know, here's the scenario. Governor Newsom 
Stepping up to the podium, I believe that we need to move forward with reparations. And what we can do as a state is we can come up with a payment. I think we can all reasonably have this discussion, and I believe that we can come together and make this happen. 200 million each! <laughs> I'm sorry. Did, I'm sorry. I missed that part. I said 200 million each! From. Well, well we were. Two. Um, I'm not sure we can do that. You're a racist! Well, when it started out at 200, and, I think it was $230,000. Yeah. And then it went up to 360000 which it currently is the minimum amount you would receive from what I can see is 360000 in California, mm-hmm. but up to $1.2 million, which would take the total bill between $800 billion and a trillion dollars in California. Now, there's no way they can do that. I mean, it's That's impossible. That's not going to happen. They, they, they can't. It's impossible. The bond issue taxes would go through the roof. They couldn't do it. They'd have to file bankruptcy uh, on it. So... But uh, it says Newsom is yet to weigh in on the recommendation by the California Reparations Task Force, which was created by the state legislation he signed in 2020 and promoted it. Yeah. While the formal recommendations were approved by the task force during a public meeting in Oakland on Saturday, they've been uh, working on the plan for nearly two years. Newsom has chosen to be silent on the issue, even though he may be forced to choose a side. Now, this actually started first with, remember, San Francisco. How's their $5 million one? Yeah, remember it was five. It was they're up to five million uh-huh. uh, in in reparations uh, in San Francisco. I don't know where that has gone. Of course, that would be impossible. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. They would uh, the the city would go completely uh, uh, bankrupt uh, on on that if they chose to uh, to do it. But they started at two hundred like thirty thousand or two two twenty two thirty. Then it went up to three sixty. Then it went up to one point two million. Then it went up to. million a couple of weeks ago, and this was the California reparations activists said, well, if San Francisco's at 5, we should be at 7.6. And then finally at the meeting last night, some of the activists wanted to go to $200 million per resident. And so if you're not for the $200 million, well, then you're a racist. Now, you and I said, well... Why stop at two hundred million? Why didn't they go to a full billion? Yeah, we thought a billion should be it. Make it a billion. If you're go- if you're going to blow smoke, blow smoke, blow a lot of smoke. If you're going to support something that will never happen, <clears throat> then support something big that will never happen. And this was this was just indicative of far left, the far left in this country right now. Whether it's climate change, whether mm-hmm. it's oh we can we can. We can run the entire grid on solar and wind. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you can't. But the fact that I say you can, even though it's impossible, shows I care more than you, and I'm virtue signaling better than you. Yeah. So I'm more moral than you <laughs> yeah. because I wish to do the impossible. And as uh, we said for the reparations, I can see the justification. We came up with a plan that is impossible to do but if we try it, we'll destroy the entire state. And because we're willing to sacrifice the entire state of California, we care more than you. Yeah. Now, 
if you didn't hear the show the other day when we actually did the figuring of if it was $200 million per per, uh, resident, which we used the lower figure of 1.8 million blacks that would be eligible for it in California. Mm. It may be as high as two. Or or more, who yeah. knows? But with the uh, one point eight million getting two hundred million, the total cost of that alone would be three hundred and sixty trillion dollars. And I know, sorry to the one truck driver who said he nearly he had a pull over to the side of the road because he was laughing so hard when he heard that figure yeah. of three hundred and sixty million. To put that into perspective. California's yearly budget is $300 billion a year. If you added on an extra $300 billion and doubled the the budget for the year to $600 billion and $300 billion for the, the state and $300 billion for reparations, mm-hmm. and you don't add interest and you don't add infl- uh, index it to inflation, it would take... 1,200 years to pay it off. Then what are we waiting for? (laughs) Some Republicans have spoken up on it. This has been a fool's errand from the start, said James Gallagher. California Assembly Republican leader told Fox News Digital, Democrats have promised the world with this reparations task force, and now the massive taxpayer bill is coming due. Newsom has painted himself into a corner. He'll have to choose between signing off on a ridiculous policy that will bankrupt the state or admitting once and for all that this task force was nothing more than a political stunt. The, uh, then they go through what the recommendations uh, are uh, and gets to the point. It's unclear how California would pay for large-scale reparations. Newsom announced in January the state faces a projected budget deficit of $22.5 billion for the coming fiscal year. Now they say it should have added on another $7 billion, so it's $30 billion in the hole so far. Proponents have called on Newsom to use his authority as governor to unilaterally uh, enact the proposal if the legislature doesn't. The governor risks angering a large constituency if he fails to act. Polls have shown the vast majority of black Americans support these slavery reparations. I don't know who wouldn't. (laughs) Right. In fact, what they found out is everybody who will get... In fact, they found black Americans who will not get the reparations in California are against the reparations. What? Black Americans who are getting the reparations would get it, are in favor of it. Everybody else... Even minorities who would not get the reparations, it's almost 99 to 1 against. Oh. Our, duh. <laughs> you mean the people paying for it are against it? Yes. Cri- oh, okay. Critics argue that Newsom will use the lofty proposal to score political points because he views it as a non-starter in the state legislature. He knows it's impossible. Newsom wants national publicity on reparations like he received with gay marriage. As the mayor of San Francisco, said John Dennis, chairman of the San Francisco Republican Party. Uh, yeah, uh, he's a chairman, and they have one other member. It's in San Francisco. Uh, the, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> he, know, <laughs> he knows reparations will be ultimately struck down, in which case he can look like a hero and yet blame the lack of reparations on the Trump appointee-dominated Supreme Court. <laughs> 
said a Republican, another Republican assemblyman, everyone knew California didn't have the financial means to pay reparations when this commission was created. Now the governor has ripped open a painful generational, uh, uh, painful generational wounds of slavery under false pretenses and false expectations. Why? For cheap political points. Slavery was never legal in the state of California, something that we can be proud of in this state, he said. When the Governor's Reparations Commission recommends spending billions of taxpayer dollars on reparations, it sends a wrong message that some hardworking taxpayers owe others for a crime they had nothing to do with. We must instead focus on investing precious tax dollars on projects that benefit all the citizens of California rather than drive division between uh, uh, groups. Hmm. But that's they wanted to do. This is this is the best part here, Eric. You ready for this? All right. California uh, Cal Matters recently polled, asked 80 assembly members whether they support the task force proposal. Three out of the 80 said yes. The rest declined to respond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I got to go. I'm not taking questions right now. <laughs> I mean, wow. this is the ultimate yeah. in the liberal circular firing squad. Because yeah. can you imagine them debating it? Well, we can't go with this proposal here. No, maybe fifty thousand racist. Yeah, maybe ten thousand yeah. racist more. Mm. Wow, I mean, it's just uh, I, I can't. I, I hope that C-SPAN will cover the debate in the state legislature oh, my on gosh. the reparations. Please oh, do that. Please, I want to see the back and forth. I want to see the liberal circular firing squad in full action here. Oh yeah. It's, by the way, do we call this? It, well, we, no, there, it, there, it could only go this way. Yeah, there's no other way it could go. Because the question is, how do you put a price on it? Well, the answer is, if you're if you're promoting this and you believe in this, you have to put a price on it. But it's impossible to put a price on it. No, we're going to do that. Even if you got to the point of the governor saying two hundred million, the activists would turn around and say a billion. <laughs> well, did you ever think it would get as high as two hundred million when we started this entire thing? Remember, it started at two hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and then I didn't. I, I will admit, I, I will admit, I did not believe it was going to reach two hundred million per recipient. I didn't think we would hear the the number. $360 trillion. I, I guess I was thinking that, that Newsom was going to get out of it somehow. I mean, he was just going to be able to escape the whole thing. You know, like in one of those um, movies where the spacecraft is imploding, but the captain has that little pod that he can jump into and then, <laughs> boom, projects out into space safely. I was kind of expecting him to be projected out of California and I guess he was, too, because, you know, he was waiting. To, oh, yeah, well, Biden hasn't an, uh, announced yet. I'll go on my little mini tour and promote the Democratic Party. And then Biden announces he's got to go back to California and deal with this. This is what he launched. There was no way this was going to go any differently. And I don't know where the answer is, but please debate it. Yeah, please debate yeah. it. On the floor. Well, I, I well, I have a, uh, I have an idea. 
instead of doing this, why not? Why not give? Uh, why not give everybody, especially uh, in in the city, school choice? Yeah. Why not make sure that you you stop crime in the city so the cities can rebuild oh, yeah. and have opportunity and they have stores? Yeah. Yep. And they have a quality of life. Yeah. Simple things: education, protection. Yeah, you come up with this, and uh, while your cities are are burning, while yeah. while while companies are leaving and jobs are leaving, you propose the impossible instead of doing what is possible. Exactly. You really don't care. Nope. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. In Toronto Radio, he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Just looking at this headline here, uh, McConnell and Republicans looking at candidate quality for the Senate in 2024. What? What a novel concept. Why? <laughs> this is the problem with the GOP right here. They're worried about candidate quality? That's not how the GOP was built. <laughs> uh, uh, this time we're going to pick some quality <laughs> candidates for the Senate because we haven't been. <laughs> yeah. How about you not talk anymore? And how about it? you just do that? Yeah, just do it. Yeah, just do that. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen.